This episode of the My Latin Life podcast is brought to you by BitRefill. BitRefill is the best way to spend your crypto in Latin America. Purchase gift cards or mobile refills from more than 3,500 brands in 186 countries instantly, safely, and privately. Visit bitrefill.com for more information. Welcome back to the My Latin Life podcast. Since 2014, My Latin Life has been your trusted guide to traveling and living in Latin America. My guest today is Maciek Sepnik. He's a Bitcoin entrepreneur and social media coordinator and Mexican ambassador for BitRefill, one of the sponsors of the podcast, by the way. Maciek, how's it going, man? Pretty good. I was uh, waiting for an invitation for a long time for a podcast. And uh, <laughs> I'm a listener too, so I'm happy to finally be there. Well, I'm, I'm glad we finally made it happen. So it was overdue. Yes. Good. And you have your own podcast as well called La Sauce. Yes, exactly. It's a French podcast uh, about Bitcoin. So I'm trying to speak with Francophones uh, around the world. Uh, not only in Canada or Quebec, but uh, Africans, uh, Me mm -hmm. Mexico, Francophones, uh, just to get a good perspective of uh, Bitcoin in the f French world, uh, because I think there is a lot of uh, great English uh, Bitcoin podcasts, so there was no point of making another one in English. And I think uh, there's uh, great voices in French in the Bitcoin space. Yeah, absolutely. Who have been some of the guests you've had on La Sauce? Uh, I've had entrepreneurs, uh, developers, uh, people from uh, El Salvador, uh, people building startups also in El Salvador. So a bit of a mix of everything. Some Africans. I try to really have like a, a diversity of different people. Uh, so So we get like a good... Uh, view of how Bitcoin is used dependent, uh, dependent, uh, depending on the, the country. Uh, so, yeah, because we have this vision that Bitcoin is only like a investment vehicle, especially in Canada, Europe, in the US, because uh, we have like the banking system pretty good, at least still pretty good. Uh, but a lot of uh, countries uh, in Africa, for example, will really use Bitcoin as a payment uh, system instead. So I'm interested more in that aspect of Bitcoin more than the store of value or uh, trying to make a quick buck out of it. Right, right. The, the functionality, the, the real use case. That's good. So we'll come back to all that. We'd love to get a little bit more of a background on you, Magic, for the audience, because you have obviously a very Polish name that I am butchering the pronunciation of. Uh, but you, I guess, grew up in, in Canada, in Montreal. Yeah, uh, I was I was actually also born in Canada, but I consider myself way more Polish than Canadian. I, I joke around that uh, only my papers are Canadian, uh, uh, so I'm, I feel really Polish. But now I, I moved to Mexico around two years and a half ago, so uh, I also joke that I'm a Canadian refugee in Mexico. Uh, so yeah, born and raised in Montreal. Um, Went to school there, didn't finish, dropped out. When I started uh, being interested in Bitcoin, started a few startups there. Uh, uh, then one of them got acquired. And during the COVID uh, uh, whole thing, 
I moved to Mexico because I couldn't really bear what was happening in Canada. I was becoming crazy. So mm-hmm. yeah, now I'm living here and I try to pursue some uh, entrepreneurial stuff and, uh, you know, just living and enjoying life here. Amazing. I love it. I, I No one's really heard me speak French before. So I even opened a beer to help get the, the French flowing a little bit on, on the episode, maybe. <laughs> Je pense que t'es le premier guest québécois sur le podcast. Tu parles, tu parles bien euh, français. C'était sûrement... Euh, euh, peut-être, euh, si, si j'aurais à faire un guest euh, Ontario, euh, peut-être Ottawa, euh, d'après ton accent, mais bon, je ne veux pas te dox non plus. Donc, euh... <rire> non, j'ai un accent full québécois. Ouais. I, do, I do not have a, a French from France accent. It's pretty damn Canadian. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so I will do it. I will, I will come on La Sauce, which is uh, which is just the sauce for the for the English listeners. Um, cool. So you're living in Querétaro, right? Yes. Uh, that was not necessarily my first choice. Uh, I was moving around in Mexico a lot with my girlfriend and my other friends that also moved there, and we were kind of like tired of moving around. And was still during the COVID time, so we kind of settled here uh, for the last two years. But I'm going to move to Mexico City in January because uh, Querétaro is a great city. It's really clean. It's safe. Uh, there's a lot of opportunities. If you have a family, I think it's a really great place. Um, but it's a bit boring, so I can't wait to go to Mexico City in January. Mm-hmm. You must be in and out of Mexico City a fair bit, though. Yeah, all the time. Basically, almost every month there's a trip uh, I do for a conference or back in Canada to visit family or, you know, whatever is happening. I'm I'm traveling a lot. Uh, so, yeah, that's also why being in Querétaro is a bit inconvenient because I always have to go to Mexico City anyway. So, And how did you actually wind up in Querétaro? I'm, I'm curious. Is your girlfriend Mexican? Yes. Uh, she's Mexican. She she's from the Estado de Mexico. Um, so we were living in San Miguel de Allende for like two three months. It was nice, but then again, it's a more uh, city more for retirees. So Querétaro was right around, so a little bit bigger city. So it wasn't like a choice choice in a sense, like okay, let's settle here. But we just were tired of moving around. And uh, at that time, I didn't want to live in Mexico City. I don't know why, but uh, so yeah, we kind of like choose this place uh, randomly. But uh, yeah, I kind of know what you mean. I mean, of all the places to live in Mexico, it's it's tough. It's uh because Mexico City is where the business is. There's a lot of networking, a lot of entrepreneurs, startups, tech, crypto, but. I don't know the the pollution and stuff. It, there, there's pros and cons. Yeah, I feel, I feel the same. But as you said, for right now in, in the the phase of my life that I that I am am I, I feel like I need to be closer to this kind of scene. Um, you know, entrepreneurial uh, stuff, networking. Uh, but I don't know if I will live in Mexico City forever, but uh, at least for now, I, I think it's, uh, I really love the energy, you, you know, whenever you are in Mexico City, it's like bustling with life. So it like really gives you a lot of uh, kind of motivation, I feel. So, uh, 
so yeah, you know, just uh, I think it's uh, I love the city so. Mm-hmm. And for someone who hasn't been to Querétaro, like how would you describe it? Because it's definitely uh, it's a it's a bigger city. It's it's a growing city. It's supposed to be pretty pretty safe, pretty functional. How would you describe it? Mm, so historically, uh, Querétaro always has been like a more conservative. Uh, I think it's the only state that didn't uh, vote for AMLO last election. Um, so it's uh, yeah, a bit more conservative. And, you know, the, the, I think it's the second, second highest in, in GDP per capita in Mexico after Monterrey. So, you know, people live well here. Uh, I mean, of course, there's like bad neighborhoods, like in every city in Mexico, but in general, the whole city feels kind of clean, organized. Uh, right now, there is like a big construction ongoing for the, the, the highway. So there's a lot of traffic issues, but, you know, once it's going to get resolved, uh, I think it's going to be fine. Uh, you have all the American chains like HEB, you know, every, Costco, everything you really need to live like an American. I, w- I would say it's kind of like a, imagine like a city. I never been to Arizona or Nevada, whatever, but uh, I would say it's like a semi-American city with the Mexican flavor, of course, of course. Uh, with great opportunities. Uh, I will describe it this way. And uh, also the climate is great. So every day uh, it's sunny. It almost never rains except during the, the summer. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's really, uh, it's not humid. So the in general, like the weather is perfect. Uh, so yeah, I don't know if that's a good description or... Cool. No, that's, that's awesome. And uh, one of the few cities I haven't made my way to yet definitely been curious about it for a long time people have been trying to keep it secret yeah well uh, if if you want just tell me uh, before january i can uh, show you around <laughs> uh, there, there is great stuff uh, also around you know there's san miguel de allende really close there is uh, tequiscapan uh, peña de bernal uh, you know there's oh, yeah. some it's a wine region wine and cheese region so uh, you know there's stuff to do what are you doing? This this episode will probably drop like just a couple days before Halloween. What are you doing for Dia de los Muertos? What do you have planned for that? Um, I don't have a plan, but if you have one, I'll be glad to, to join. Um, I'm going to leave like a few days after to El Salvador for a, a Bitcoin conference. Uh, so yeah, I didn't plan anything for the Dia, Dia de Muertos, but I would like to visit... Uh, something like really authentic, uh, I don't know, maybe like a little village. I heard of a village, I think it's close to Morelos. It's like an island um, mm. on a lake. Well, yeah, yeah, an island. Yeah, in Michoacan near Morelia. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's called uh, Hani- uh, yeah, Hanizio and yeah, Pazcuaro. Okay. I would love to see something like this, uh, definitely. Yeah, I went there. Uh, I went there one year but not during Dia de los Muertos. But it's a really, really cool town for anyone listening. These are a couple uh, Pueblo Magicos, which are like historic small towns, colonial vibes, um, cobblestone uh, streets and stuff. Um, so Pascuaro is kind of on the mainland, and then there, it's kind of like beside a lake. And then there's an island on the lake called Henizio. Uh, with a with a J, 
and uh, it's, 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 it's really quite small, but it's cool, and I'm sure, and it's supposed to be one of the best places in Mexico that you can do Dia de los Muertos, like they just absolutely deck, deck out the towns uh, with, you know, candles and just crazy decorations and and crazy uh festivities so that's definitely one of the best places in mexico to to spend it yeah i love the dia de los muertos it shows like the special relationship that mexicans have with death which is um i mean it's a pretty heavy subject but you know it's kind of like celebratory because they all believe in god more or less so they don't think that like uh, death is a final thing, as opposed to you know Canada or European European countries. They kind of they kind of reject death and they don't want to really think about it, right? So that's what's really special about Mexico. It's like uh, living to the fullest, uh, you know. And uh, when you die, you, you die, but it's not over, you know. So it's pretty interesting to see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the other best places to spend. De Los Muertos, I think, would be somewhere in Veracruz. I think the whole state of Veracruz is very associated with brujeria or witchcraft and witch doctors and stuff. And I think pretty much any Pueblo Mágico in Veracruz would be would be cool as well. So that's kind of what I have my eye on this year. Uh, is I'm thinking about doing it in uh, Catemaco, Veracruz. Yeah, it's 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 almost it's almost hard to describe, but it's um a center of witchcraft in Mexico. Like it, it, um, witchcraft in Mexico is really associated with Catemaco and, and Veracruz in general, and and that's kind of like the what do you call it the spiritual center of of witchcraft. So I was thinking about going there, and I I even uh, I did a tweet about it just uh, today or the other day. And people are like, that shit looks looks very satanic. <laughs> and it kind of does. Like you said, you know, it's, um, I don't know, there's layers to it. There's layers to it. So I think it would definitely be an adventure. So TBD on that. Cool. Yeah, that sounds, uh, I mean, I never heard about Catamacro for the first time. That, that's the thing with Mexico. There's so many things to visit and to, to experience. It's like almost impossible to do them all in a, even in a, in a lifetime, right? So uh, it's uh, it's crazy how big it is, and you know, people also, you know, people in the thing that Mexico is only the beaches, like Cancun or something, but the, the real Mexico is actually inside the country, right? Uh, in the mountains, uh, of course, uh, there's uh, also the the beaches and stuff, but uh, I think the the real uh, like uh, richness of Mexico is in the center, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, I I do want to go to Bernal. I've never been there, so maybe um, maybe we'll try to swing that this year and, and visit you. Um, but yeah, Magic, let's let's talk more about what you have going on. Um, so, social media coordinator and Mexican ambassador ambassador for Bit Refill. How'd you get involved with Bit Refill? Um, so after uh, I, my, my previous startup uh, was merged with another uh, bigger company, um, I was looking, uh, I, I didn't have anything to do, so I was also looking for a job, uh, something new to do. And uh, I, had a, I was organizing the Bitcoin meetups uh, back in Montreal, so I had like a lot of contacts 
in the industry. And I was always uh, already living half in Mexico, half in Canada. And so one of my friends that was, that was working uh, at Bitrefill uh, told me they were looking for a Mexican Canadian ambassador. So I'm like, well, uh, it's like exactly my life, this role. Uh, so, yeah, I started just um, uh, being an ambassador. So it was like part time. But then uh, I also had experience, previous experience with social media and content creation, more on a smaller scale because I was doing it for my own startups. But I was seeing opportunities for me to uh, uh, be involved in the general marketing and Bitrefill and more specifically the social media. So slowly I, I uh I started doing also the, the social media of Bitrefill. And also when there's a, for example, yourself, when I, I was, I knew you, you had the podcast, I was listening to it. And for example, uh, for those who don't know what Bitrefill is, it's basically like the largest e-commerce uh, store, the gift cards or eSIMs and, uh, and data that you can refill directly with Bitcoin and crypto. So you can live on directly with uh, your cryptocurrencies it's a great tool to not have to use a, a an exchange or a fiat so yeah whenever i see opportunity for example i saw your podcast and i, I think for example digital nomads and people traveling um, are uh, great potential users uh, of uh, of the platform so you know if there is a potential partnerships to be made i'm also on the lookout for these kind of stuff that's awesome and how do you how do you use uh, Bit Refill personally? Uh, what what have some been some of the most useful things for you? Um, so depending on the country, the offering is different because it depends on the existing infrastructure and providers for gift cards uh, of the country. So in Mexico, I'm I'm trying to introduce more and more products for like every day life like uh, gasoline uh, groceries because right now in mexico there is a great offering you can refill your telcel you know whatever at&t whatever uh, phone provider you have yeah we have also uh, amazon uh, mexico um, but it's still missing few like basic uh, need stuff so whenever i have an occasion i actually use bitrefill because uh uh, I also get paid in Bitcoin, so I have to spend my Bitcoin, right? So that's the the whole idea of uh, <laughs> making Bitcoin work is that some people should people should earn Bitcoin in order to spend it, right? Because if you don't earn or actively uh, accumulate more Bitcoin, well, it's kind of uh, you don't necessarily want to spend your groceries with Bitcoin, right? So mm -hmm. uh, th there is this challenge of making like a circular economy of this whole thing. But I, I kind of use it for everything. Yeah, I was with uh, I was with Coinsure, who some people might know from the Telegram chats, uh, etc. Crazy New Zealander guy, uh, and and we were hanging out in Mexico City a couple of weeks ago, and I watched him whip out his phone and uh, re up his Telcel cell phone with more data with bit refill and bitcoin on the spot on the fly it was amazing to watch yeah it's pretty cool and yeah quencher is amazing uh, he's my friend 
really smart, but also a party animal. So uh, yeah, uh, I saw him uh, actually two weeks ago in Mexico City too. Uh, yeah, re- really cool dude. He was slamming back Negronis or something. <laughs> He's slamming down kind of everything. <laughs> yeah, I think he, yeah, I think he was like mixing like like four different drinks that night. But <laughs> but I mean, he's big, so he can definitely take. It. <laughs> he's a big guy. He's a and, big you know, guy. He's a big traveler, uh, and I actually asked him like, where, what, what is one of your favorite countries uh, for dating? And he told me Poland. Uh, so I was kind of proud of it, you know, <laughs> even even if I am going out with a Mexican, so. You know what? I actually put a note or the notes I put together for this episode. I wanted to ask you why not Eastern Europe and why you've chosen Latin America over Eastern Europe as someone with an Eastern European background. Uh, so total subject change. But I'm, I'm kind of curious because those are two of the big areas for digital nomads. Right. Uh, that's a good question. Um I guess since I lived my whole life, I mean, when I was young, I was visiting Poland basically every summer for vacations and seeing my family. Um, And I love it. I think it's a great country. Uh, I I went to uh, Czech Republic as well. I liked it. I I didn't go to like Hungary and like the more, uh, I would say, wild uh, East Europe. Um, But uh, I will definitely want to visit. That's for sure. But since I feel that I'm more part of this part of the world, like more on the American side of things, I feel that my life is kind of here and there will be too much, too much of a change to, uh, to, to go to Eastern Europe. And I love Latin American culture, uh, the food, the, also the opportunities I, I see, for example, in Mexico um, makes me believe that here's the, place to be at least for the next 20, uh, 10 to 20 years. Uh, but And also, it's hard to ignore the geopolitical problems that are happening in, in Europe and the general decline of the Western European countries. I don't know how it's going to reflect on the Eastern part of it. But yeah, uh, it's a great question, but I just don't see myself really living there at least for visiting and, you know, for sure, but not really living. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so tell me a bit more about BitRefill's game plan in Latin America and crypto adoption in Latin America. Um, I mean, the plan is, uh, it's always, it's a bit similar to all the countries. Uh, of course, there's some, um, the thing is, we put a lot of efforts into Latin America because there's uh, definitely some use cases of Bitcoin that are not uh, really possible or at least not needed in the United States or in Europe, such as creating circular economies or like teaching people how to use uh, Bitcoin because they're unbanked. So we, we try as much as possible to be involved in like these community uh, initiatives and obviously increasing the offering, so making uh, having as much as products as possible, but it's a bit challenging in Latin America because they, they're not using gift cards uh, the same way as Americans or Europeans do. So no specific like 
plan for Latin America, but you know, just being having a presence. There's a lot of workers from Uruguay, Colombia, um, um, Argentina, Peru. Like Bitrefield has a lot of workers in Latin America. I think it's because they see the talent that is there, and of course, it's cheaper. But uh, they're they're well connected to the American culture as well, you know. So it's a uh, great workers, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Um, so yeah, like, uh, like everywhere a bit, just mm-hmm. continue expanding. Mm-hmm. Tell me some other things other than Telcel, other than the phone data plans, like what else can we spend bit refill on in Mexico? In Mexico, uh, Uber Eats, um, Airbnb, just, it's a new card, uh, Starbucks, Electra, uh, Liverpool. So those are like new cards we just got. Uh, Hotels.com, uh, Flight Gift, uh, all the like, all the like gaming kind of cards like Xbox, Nintendo, PlayStation, Netflix. Um, so yeah, for now, as I said, it's a bit limited, but as it's really good for uh, tourists, like because we have Airbnb. Uh, you know, Uber, Uber Eats, uh, this kind of stuff. So that's why I'm trying to uh, bring more like local things that Mexican could use, right? But Mexicans are not necessarily uh, big Bitcoin users yet, you know, so it, it's a bit of a chicken and egg problem, right? Hmm. Well, hey, between Telcel, Uber, Uber Eats, Hotels.com, Airbnb, Starbucks, that's you. You could basically live just on that Netflix. <laughs> you could basically live just on those five things. Yeah, but the the dream will be to be able to pay tacos uh, with Bitcoin, uh, <laughs> uh, tacos de suadero on the street. Uh, that that would be the dream. But uh, we we have to work for that. Yeah. Hey, those guys don't even accept credit card. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> that's the thing. They should accept Bitcoin because it's still. Uh, not uh, you know the, one way you convince Mexican about Bitcoin you you say that it's not fiscalizado, uh, mm-hmm. it's not uh, trackable uh, by the, the you know the uh, the government. So that's why uh, that's that's how some of them are getting convinced at least. Mm-hmm. A cool one would be Walmart. Yeah, uh, I think there's Walmart in the U.S. So, yeah, depending on the, it's a complicated system. So depending on the provider, uh, it's not uh, the same thing from one country to another, right? Because there's different currency denomination and all that stuff. But in the U.S., you can basically live your whole life without touching, uh, you know, fiat or a bank account. You you have basically everything you need uh, in the U.S. or in the bigger countries uh, in Europe. Canada uh-huh. as well, you know. Uh-huh. What what does it look like to onboard these clients? Because you have the biggest names. Like Uber is not an easy. That's not an easy uh, client or relationship to build. Um, Starbucks is probably not an easy relationship to build. Like, how did they get those clients, and how does that kind of work behind the scenes? Do you have any insight into that? Yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't think it's a secret, but basically we don't deal with these companies directly. That will be like a really cumbersome and uh, long process. As you said, like these are big names. 
So there are some providers of gift, digital gift cards uh, that act as a re- resellers, and we deal with them. We don't deal with the companies directly. Um, so that's how you're able to offer such big names uh, without having to deal with these companies uh, directly. And I think there is like over 10,000 products on Bitrefill right now, or like we're available, that are like available and in stock. So imagine dealing with 10,000 different companies, it will be completely impossible. So that's why you need to uh, have these providers that can offer you uh, a big, uh, like, uh, I don't know how to say it, like a big um, uh, offering of digital gift cards, right? Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Makes sense. That's interesting. And uh, one of the things that we've mentioned is that how you can get the gift cards, not just like a normal gift card, people think about it and they think it needs to be in like $100 increments or $20 increments, but you guys can do it almost to the penny, right? Uh, I think it depends on the product. Uh, Some of it are uh, actually, uh, there was a discussion uh, within the, uh, my team. Is like people are asking for uh, more choice and more flexibility, but when you offer it to them, they don't know what to do. So yeah, I think there's some products that you you it's like fixed denomination, and some of them uh, you can, as you said, uh, for example, you're buying something on Amazon, uh, you just pay to the penny, right? So you don't have an excess balance that's like uh, hanging out in your account. Mm-hmm. But that depends uh, of the product, basically. Okay, very cool. So I'm on the Bit Refill website right now. I'm looking at some of the Paraguay options because I, uh, I'm i actually in Paraguay at the moment at the time of this recording. And both Tigo and Claro, the two biggest phone plans are available. Um, which is really good and, and other stuff. So basically bit refill works, not just in Mexico, probably worth mentioning, but everywhere, almost everywhere in Latin America. Yeah. Everywhere in the world, basically, of course, uh, the offering, uh, in the smaller countries in Africa or, you know, smaller, uh, like I'm looking at the Peruguin, um, page right now. And obviously the, the products are not, uh, there's not many products, right? So. It's a matter of time of implementing new providers that can provide this, but maybe like in Paraguay, there's not many providers of gift cards, you know, so yeah, working on it. Mm-hmm. But Brazil, no, Brazil Colombia is pretty good, I think. Uh, they have pretty good offerings. Let's take a look at Brazil, see what we can do. We got iFood, Airbnb Brazil, Uber Brazil, Netflix Brazil. Carrefour Brazil, Xbox Brazil, Spotify Brazil, Shell, so you can buy gas with Bitcoin. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. League of Legends Brazil, PlayStation, as you mentioned, Nike. Dude, yeah, they got everything. <laughs> There's Rappi as well. Rappi. Outback oh, yeah. Steakhouse, which I recently learned Outback is like the most popular restaurant in brazil or something randomly mm-hmm. <laughs> interesting yeah so you can imagine that of course brazil is a way more uh, bigger country in terms of business and number of people so they have this infrastructure 
uh, that we can plug in, right? But Paraguay, only how many people there is in Paraguay? Like three million, six million, or yeah, six seven million. So yeah, you know, they're, they're, the big businesses aren't there yet. So yeah. No, it's still good. I mean, I think you like we have everything that a digital nomad or expat would want, uh, in in a lot of ways, and so. Um, do you have any suggestions for people that might want to receive maybe some portion of their salary in fiat and then some portion of their salary in crypto? Like what, what percentage of people, like how are people acquiring their crypto for the most part? Are they like, are, you know what I mean? Is it, are they like with CoinSure? When we met up with Mexico City, I think I forget if he gets paid a hundred percent in crypto, or he gets like a little bit of fiat and then mostly crypto. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think the proportion of people that get paid in crypto is still really small. Obviously, so if you're someone that wishes to uh, to receive their salary in Bitcoin, well, you probably have bigger chances uh, by working for crypto companies because. It's kind of, it would be ironic if they wouldn't want to pay you uh, <laughs> in crypto. Uh-huh. Uh, there is a uh, there is some companies like uh, that offer the service for companies um, like a, a payroll kind of a, a system that uh, if somebody wants to receive uh, half of their salary in Bitcoin or the other parts in stable coins, uh, because one thing that you know. It, it's kind of scary when getting paid in Bitcoin is the volatility of it. So some people like to receive more stable stable coins, right? So depending on your situation, if you're... So Bitrefill is a Swedish company, so it's actually way more easier for them to pay uh, a bunch of the workers worldwide with crypto. It's less of a hassle than having to deal with international wires or, you know, whatever other fiat system they, they will be using. So I think it's kind of the future for a lot of people are starting to work online. You talk you talk a lot about this. So getting paid in Bitcoin might get more like uh, democratized, I guess, slowly. Uh, I've heard cases, uh, uh, for example, just like a random... Uh, uh, random thing. I was learning Spanish with a uh, with a teacher lady, and she was telling me that her daughter uh, was learning Russian uh, with a guy in Russia, right? So, but so when the Ukrainian war started, uh, there was no possible way to send fiat uh, to Russia from Mexico. So uh, the guy in uh, Russia asked her to send her Bitcoin, right? So you have a bunch of like these use cases that are really niche and are you know, infinite in countries like Africa, uh, in uh, in country in many countries in Africa and Latin America, where like the only way you can get paid easily mm-hmm. without getting like a big fee, uh, like a big chunk of your money taken out, is with crypto, right? So I think it's gonna get more popular uh, slowly over time. Very cool. And how has it been in terms of the local adoption? in mexico are you trying to do like local evangelization in queretaro and in mexico or are you more just um focused on the online market 
and and creating awareness around digital nomads and um, you know other other um, people closer to it online. Um, I always like well, it's a mix of both. Uh, obviously, like from the social media point of view, the goal is to be as broad and international as possible, since uh, since we're in every country. Uh, and we have products everywhere. So, you know, the goal is to kind of uh, be really broad. Um, but personally, I always have been involved in local uh, meetups, uh, Bitcoin meetups, uh, whenever it was in Montreal or here. So I really like the communities that are formed around Bitcoin because generally they're great people and we agree, we tend to agree on a lot of stuff on the uh, how we see life, you know, people, Bitcoiners are always really pro liberty. You know, a lot of them also have uh, quitted Canada or some countries in Europe. So in general, it's also just a good place to hang out, just discuss with a uh, mind alike people. So yeah, a, a bit of mix of both. Obviously the, the adoption in Mexico in terms of Bitcoin and crypto is really low. Uh, I think it's due to many factors. For example, uh, the actual banking system in Mexico is pretty great. Uh, it's not like uh, the case of uh, Africa or you know other South uh, South American countries where people simply don't have bank accounts. Here, I think the problem is way smaller. Uh, so people don't really see the need of using Bitcoin or thinking about an inflation hedge. The pesos is strong. The economy is strong, so people don't really think uh, about Bitcoin, right? Um, and and it's normal, right? People don't really care about if they don't really have a present like a need that's really immediate. And uh, in terms of investment, I think Mexicans are more used to invest in real estate, something they can touch, they can uh, understand more clearly. Uh, you know, even investing in stocks in Mexico is, is just getting started. Like all these apps uh, that we're used to in Canada, uh, they're just getting started here. So I think it's a, it's going to be a long process of introducing these new ideas. And also there's a lot of scammers that, you know, people can associate crypto and Bitcoin with scams a lot here because they heard about an uncle that lose a lot of money, you know, try to gamble. So yeah, it's a, it's a challenging uh, ecosystem, I would say. Mm. Hey guys, quick interruption to tell you about BitRefill. BitRefill is the best way to convert your crypto into gift card balances. These are gift cards that you can spend at Hotels.com, Airbnb, Nike, and many more. You may remember Joel Valenzuela, previous podcast guest. He's been living on crypto exclusively since 2015, and he's a big consumer of BitRefill. And so I asked Joel, I said, what do you like most about BitRefill? He said that he likes the instant delivery, the precise amount so that you don't have to juggle a lot of gift cards, and he loves the global selection. Nobody else has this much selection of gift cards, over 10,000 gift card options across hundreds of countries. Go to bitrefill.com to sign up. And you can also use the code MyLatinLife for 10% back off your first purchase. Go to bitrefill.com for more information. Well, tell me about the Bitcoin block party that you guys hosted in Mexico City. 
Yeah, so uh, it wasn't, uh, I helped, I don't, I mean, I was a speaker there and uh, my really close friends are the ones uh, that started Yopaki. It's uh, it's going to be an app. They want to make a, like a financial bridge between all the Mexicans in the US and the, and the Mexican back home by tapping in into the remittance uh, market, which is absolutely huge. Mm-hmm. So they want to, you know, uh, open this app uh, and develop it. So they they, uh, they organize a blog party, which basically is like a on-conference. So it's not an official conference. The goal is to reunite some people together and you have uh, different activities uh, outside of the conference just so people can connect and also connect with the culture of the whole city, of the whole country. So yeah, mm-hmm. it was amazing. I think at the conference, there was like 70 people uh, around 70 people, a great mi- mix of expats and uh, local uh, local people, uh, Mexicans. Mm-hmm. Uh, we projected the Bitcoin logo on the central bank uh, of Mexico. We almost got caught by the police, so that was really exciting. And uh, I, I'm pretty sure you saw it, the video. But uh, I didn't yeah, see the uh, police part. What happened <laughs> with that? Well, because we were all gathered in front of the, the Mexican bank. It's right... Uh, right across uh, across the Bellas Artes. Um, uh-huh. And then they had the projector in the car, which was really smart. Um, so once we gathered and we, you know, we started shouting like Bitcoin, Bitcoin, taking pictures, uh, like three cops came out of nowhere and uh, they like started asking the guys in the car, like what the fuck are you doing here? Uh, and they were like uh, playing dumb a bit and be like, oh, okay, we're just going. Uh, so I think it was a really smart strategy to have the projector in the car so they just could like flee the scene um, <laughs> without attracting too much trouble. And we just like dispersed and uh, nothing happened, right? But uh, we were kind of, uh, the organizers were kind of scared, scared to, to do it in the beginning. And they were like, okay, no, let's do it. You know, let's just go through it. And uh, it was a success. Uh, it got a... <laughs> got a lot of views it got it got like semi-viral uh, so it was cool very cool so Metco- uh, mexico's first bitcoin block party was a success i think so i really believe that mexico is a great country for you know liberty minded people bitcoiners mm-hmm. and right now there's a big like Spotlight on El Salvador uh, because they, they adopted Bitcoin uh, two years ago as a legal tender. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the food is not that great. It's a bit more boring. So my my theory is that Mexico will also kind of become a, a destination for Bitcoin adoption or at least like niche Bitcoin adoption for, for a Bitcoin tourists. Uh, I think it's a new phen- phenomenon. So um, I have a friend, for example, they started a big initiative uh, in San Miguel de Allende where uh, they, they teamed up with uh, something called uh, Mi Primer Bitcoin, which is like a uh, educational I- initiatives going on uh, in El Salvador where t- they teach in schools, public schools uh, to students how to use Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. So they teamed up with them and now uh, the technological uh Colegio de San Miguel will have a mandatory course uh, about Bitcoin for like 1,200 students, uh, which is pretty cool. You know, like uh, uh, 
getting Bitcoin into the the educational educational system. Uh, there's a few initiatives there and there in Mexico of people trying to build like uh, circular economies. So yeah, th- there's a lot of momentum, I would say, uh, and still pretty small communities. So everybody know each other, everybody kind of supports e- each other. So it's a really nice like atmosphere and and vibe to be around. That's awesome. And does it seem to be uh, centered around Mexico City? Do you feel like maybe there is a bit of a hub in Playa del Carmen? Is there anywhere that uh, if someone's listening to this and they're a crypto enthusiast and they want to go to Mexico, where would you suggest they go? Um, that's a that's a great question. Uh, I mean, Playa del Carmen, probably there is some meetups happening. I don't know them particularly, uh, but uh, there is a Bitcoin circular economy is forming in Yucatan, but it's still like in the beginning, so it, it it's not fully formed yet. Um, and then there's the San Miguel uh, College, and there's a company here that is giving away like uh, uh, terminals to accept Bitcoin to to businesses for free. So there is a website called Bitcoin Maps. Uh, dot com i think or wait bitcoinmap.com it uh businesses that accept bitcoin could like put a spot on the map mm-hmm. so you can see like clusters of different businesses accepting bitcoin in mexico but yeah as you said i think the place to be if you really want to be into the scene is mexico city because uh, that's where the money is so like the startups the the companies actually working like uh having capital to, to build stuff, uh, it's in Mexico City, yes. And then there is a great bar called the Bitcoin Embassy Bar. It's in La Roma. Uh, they organize a, we organize also a lot of meetups there. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's where the community gathers usually. Have you been to El Salvador yet? Yeah, I went uh, last year uh, for the Adopting Bitcoin conference. Uh, I was really impressed by the country. Uh, I really liked the, my experience. And what are you going? Uh, what are you going for this time? I'm going for the conference again. <laughs> the I'm I'm gonna be a speaker there. So, oh, sick! What's the what's the talk about? Um, I'm gonna talk about uh, is Mexico the next uh, big step for Bitcoin adoption in Latin America. And I will try to make a, like a, take into account all the initiatives that are being t- that you can see that you can feel. And then on the other side, I will try to present the bit refill data metrics uh, coming out from these countries and contrast them together to see if what we see in the, re- in the reality uh, is reflected in the statistics as well. So Bitcoiners, because there's Bitcoin, the the ideology, that's one thing. And there's Bitcoin, the tool. And I think there are completely separate things. So my goal will be just to like talk about Bitcoin in Mexico and, uh, you know, make some, uh, uh, maybe just show Mexico a bit. So, yeah. <laughs> Focus on me- uh, Bitcoin as a tool in Mexico. Yeah. Okay. Uh, any um, anything from the talk you want to give us a little sneak preview on? Well, th- that's the thing. Is like 
when you meet other Bitcoiners, everybody is like so excited about Bitcoin all the time. Like it's going to like save the world the next day. But I think it's a really slow process and people won't use Bitcoin if they don't really need it uh, for a really specific purpose. So the CEO of uh, Bitrefuel, his name is Sergey Kotliar. He's, uh, he's, often, he's making the analogy that you probably use a car, right? Uh, you probably, everybody kind of use a car, but what's the percentage of people that uh, go to car conferences, right? Or go to car meetups. Uh, it's really a few people that are so fanatic about something uh, that they will actually want a community around it. And Bitcoin is the same thing. It's just a small portion of Bitcoiners will go to conferences and talk about it uh, every day but we need the huge chunk of people that just use bitcoin uh, and they don't care about it right so it's gonna be uh it's gonna be a i'm gonna be talking about that that's awesome and what do you think is the best way for mexicans and newcomers to to bitcoin to start um start getting their their hands dirty with using bitcoin and learn about it hmm. um i guess uh you mean like investing or like if you want to learn about it i guess the best way to learn is to start using it right yeah i, I guess so too like if you like when you demonstrate a bitcoin transaction to somebody that's when they see the potential and you say like, okay, I just made a transaction from my phone to your phone. I send you whatever, five bucks, a hundred pesos and uh, nobody could stop that. Right. So then if there's a purpose for them, for that kind of thing, uh, they can start digging into the subject more uh, by learning uh, about its scarcity, its censorship resistance. But as I said, like most of the people, won't care about bitcoins but if you demonstrate there's a real use case for them like receiving uh remittances from their relatives in the united states and el salvador and that's the best way they can receive money it's with bitcoin they're going to be super happy about it and they don't need to know everything that how it works right they just know it works for them so it's really a tricky question i would say because it depends if you're you're going to be more on the ideology side of things or just on the practical side of things. Mm -hmm. So fair to say that every Mexican Latino listening to this should sign up for a bit refill account. Yeah. You don't even have to use a, uh, to have an account to, to use bit refilled, which is amazing. But yeah, if, if you're somebody that's spending Bitcoin uh, or crypto, any other crypto, uh, you should definitely use a uh, bit refill. Are some people using bit refill as like a, a way to store a decent no, amount no. of value? Like do, do some people just have big balances? Uh, I think there's a limit in terms of that's the thing. Bit refill is not a wallet because you cannot withdraw from it. So once you send funds to your bit refill account, you don't have to, but you can, if you, uh, if you want. But yeah, it's really not intended as a as a wallet uh, there, because you cannot withdraw your money uh, again. 
in crypto. You, you can only spend it in the gift cards. Um, but for example, the, the mobile wallet that I, I use that is pretty good is, is called Blue Wallet. Uh, you know, it's pretty simple to use. Mm. Yeah. So what pieces of the puzzle, if someone wants to do bit refill, um, what, what are the other kind of pieces of the stack that you'd recommend that sort of best integrate with bit refill? Um, so depending if you're using Bitcoin, Ethereum or other cryptos, you might be using a different wallet. Um, so for example, in Bitcoin, the, the user, the, the diff, the distribution of the usage of different wallet is more, how do you say it? like decentralized so you have way more different bitcoin wallets uh, that are being used for b refill than ethereum ones um, so ethereum most of the people use metamask which is a browser wallet so it's really easy to connect and pay directly from your browser uh, so it depends really on the crypto you're using okay Cool. But you basically just need a wallet and bit refill if you want to spend on bit refill. That that's it. There's that's not it. Like a wallet bit refill. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think when I met up with Coinsure, he was using light. He was using Lightning, and I think he was also using something else. Um, I mean, Lightning is the second network of Bitcoin. So some wallets will have a lightning uh, option in them. And most of them nowadays uh, concentrate on making lightning a priority uh, in the Bitcoin stack. So he was probably using a lightning wallet. Uh, I don't know if, if, that's, uh, if that's the second thing he was using. I don't know how much you know about the lightning network and, and everything. I should know more and podcasts like this are going to help me, uh, help me get there. Cause definitely, definitely a lot to learn. Um, well, I'll switch gears a little bit. People can, uh, go out there, do their own research, get the bit refill account, get a wallet, get set up and start using it. Definitely the best way to learn. Uh, I guess as we kind of start getting to wrapping up, I wanted to ask you about freedom in Mexico in a more general sense. And, are you, are you feeling the freedom in Mexico compared to life in Canada? And how would you kind of compare the two? Well, uh, viva la libertad. <laughs> uh, no, well, I, I left Canada because I was feeling trapped uh, in, a, in a lot of ways. Uh, also, I think, for example, people my age... Uh, that, uh, you know, for example, my friends in Canada, I feel they don't like see, uh, they don't, not that they don't have dreams, but it's just like everyday life repeats itself. Uh, everybody kind of tries to think about buying a house eventually, but it, the, the, the prospective future is like kind of dark because right now in Canada, if you want to buy a house, it's like almost impossible if you make like a, average salary so you need to be a doctor or whatever to really kind of be able to buy a nice house so and also obviously during the covid lockdowns and everything uh, you kind of could see where canada is going in general uh, 
you know, the more authoritarian uh, controls and just general feeling about it. So, yeah, I left for Mexico and the first time when I, I came here, I absolutely fell in love with uh, the sensation of liberty that I have here. And obviously, this this is not the perfect country. It has a lot of problems, security problems as well. But I feel because of the kind of chaos, uh, you can be more free. You can kind of like escape the, the big brother eye, right? And also, Mexico is a bit like the States, right? So every state uh, is different from each other. There's different cultures, uh, different, uh, different natural landscapes. Uh, so whenever you like history, you like nature, you like beach, you like mountains, you like whatever you like, you can find in Mexico. And for example, almost every weekend I'm going out of town for a road trip or something because there's so many stuff to do. And the spirit here is like, okay, let's do it. You know, but in Canada, you, you don't go to Quebec city. If you live in Montreal, you don't go to Ottawa. You don't, you know, you just stay there. Maybe once every five years you go to Toronto. Right. But here in Mexico, it's like every, every occasion to do something, uh, it's like, let's do it. Right. So yeah, it's just, I just love being here. Yeah. That's amazing. And when you go back, to Montreal now, does it feel weird? You almost feel like uh, there's so much I could say that, but how, what does it feel like for you when you go back? Uh, I just feel like it's temporary. I'm not in my place anymore. I mean, obviously, Montreal is a really cool city, and all my friends are there. So whenever I go, I hang out a lot with my friends, and it's like. Uh, they're still really good friends and some of them uh, visited us in Mexico. So it's not that far, right? But yeah, when I go, I know that it's not my home anymore. I feel like like uh, Mexico is is where I need to be. But I still have my 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 parents and my my sister. So, you know, I I, I want to come back to see them, obviously. So yeah, I enjoy my time when I'm there, but I just don't feel like uh, it's my home anymore. Do you feel like your mindset has shifted? Uh, yeah, in what sense, maybe? <laughs> just in terms of like um, thinking more internationally, thinking in a more freedom-minded way. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think that changing countries is the best thing a young person can do to expand its like vision of life because you learn to adapt to a new culture you'd learn you basically see that not everything is done the same way back where you you were born and that there's infinite possible lives you could uh, have and it's only a matter of choice uh, if you do it's it's basically just uh, taking decisions. So I think you, you really realize the power of deciding what your life should be and what it should be not. And I, I see that many of my friends don't necessarily have this kind of uh, vision, right? They're just like, oh, well, I'm stuck there. Uh, maybe I want something else, maybe not. Uh, so yeah, definitely change my perspective and uh, on everything. Right. Like you feel more responsibility over your life and 
uh, the direction things go. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I feel like with Quebecers, especially that they don't really move much because they just they're just always going to live in Quebec their whole life because the language and the culture is a little bit distinct. And so in a way it's kind of cool because you know, whenever you go back, your buddies are, are still there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, man, Quebecers, uh, well, like I'm from a, I'm an immigrant, you know, so I, I wasn't raised in the Quebec culture and all my friends are basically immigrants too like Arabs or, you know, Latinos. <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, I identify with the, or Eastern Europeans, a mix of everything, basically. I identify with them way more than Quebecers. And, you know, obviously there's some great Quebecers. I have some Quebec, uh, Quebecois friends too. But, you know, the whole vibe, it's like... Uh, yeah, since they're like, uh, they're really nationalists with their culture. So they, they kind of believe they're better, but they're not like the province is kind of crumbling down. Uh, so yeah, it's a bit of a mix of like, uh, you know, they don't really like success. If somebody's successful, uh, they try to bring it down. So yeah, not, not, my, not my vibe really. Mm. And without getting you in trouble, like how would you compare Canadians and Mexicans? Like what what have you noticed were some of the differences in um, the way um, in like the family dynamics or the way people um, or like making friends? Like a lot of, you know, that's a big thing for people is making friends in a new country. Uh, personally, it was really easy for me to make friends here. Uh, I think the Mexicans are a really welcoming country, uh, especially if you speak Spanish and you say to them that, you know, I love Mexico, I want to live there. They take a lot of pride uh, in that, like they, they really love that. And they're hard workers, they're party animals as well. So, you know, just uh, uh, really, you know, great people to be around in general, you know. Um, I don't know how I will describe Canadians because I know there's a really big chunk of Canadians that are also uh, liberty-minded. They just they, they don't want get, to get bothered. They just want to have their family, have their friends. But I don't know, the whole movement in Canada right now is... Uh, uh, I think it's going uh, sideways, you know, so. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why the Chinese cannot stop it, right? They, they don't have like the the courage or maybe the, the, the strength or the, the will to, to kind of say, okay, this is enough. I don't know. You know? Uh, it's a complicated uh, discussion. <laughs> we could talk about it maybe probably uh, another hour or so. Mm -hmm. What are you doing in terms of residency in Mexico? So I have my uh, temporary resident. I followed the, the path of uh, showing your salary. And um, so that was two years and a half ago. I think at that time it was the requirement was 2,500 USD per month. But it has increased a lot uh, since then. I think it's 
3,300 something right now. So I just had to prove my salary. I went to Houston. Uh, I, had, uh, I, I hired a lawyer just because I hate doing paper stuff. So I just wanted to, him to do everything. I didn't pay that much. It was a few, few hundred bucks. Uh, they, they made an appointment in Houston, if I remember correctly. I went the same day. I came back the same day to Queretaro because there's different direct flights uh, with the visa. And then you have six months to go to immigration office to get your card. Mm-hmm. So I got it. And after one year, you have to renew your card. And I was thinking I had to renew it every year. But when I went to the office, they just renew it for three years straight. So I have that uh, out of the way for for a while. Good, good. So if you're at two and a half years now, you'll be renewing about a year from now. uh, And you'll begin that permanent. Yeah, exactly. That'll be exciting. And then one more year to citizenship. You're going to... You trying to go for citizenship? You down? You can be a triple citizen? I can can I can you be a triple citizen? Um, but yeah, sure. why not? Sure, why I'm, not? Yeah, uh, I think the Mexican passport is actually not that bad, you know. Except requiring a visa for the U.S., um, it's actually a pretty strong passport when you think about it. Uh, but yeah, why why not? Uh, I'm I'm also in the spirit of getting a lot of residencies so uh, i need to go to paraguay uh, soon <laughs> uh, i need to ask some questions to quencher because he's the master in this uh, you probably as well yeah absolutely happy to help uh happy to help yourself and any listeners by the way hit me up on twitter telegram we can get you guys residency in paraguay mexico whatever you guys want and yeah man dude with, with that you'll have a very good portfolio canada which will give you, which gives you access to the U.S. Of course, Poland, you get the EU, Mexico, which gets you maybe a bit better access to Latin America, maybe a couple other holes in the in the visa-free travel. So that's that's like an incredible portfolio. That's a big three. Yeah, the I think it's a good. I'm kind of lucky, you know. It just kind of happened, but. Life is a bit a uh, mix of decisions and kind of luck, you know, like uh, also speaking languages. Mm-hmm. I, like I don't consider myself good in speaking languages, but somehow I speak four, you know, <laughs> so that's uh, that's funny. What are the four? I guess uh, English, Spanish, French, Spanish, Polish. Uh, yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. How's the Spanish been for you as a native French speaker? Uh, it was really easy to like in the beginning start to understand uh, easily everything, uh, and then uh, you have to hang out in Mexican and to drink some beers with them and tequila. Then you get better. Um, but I feel like in order to pass to the next level, I kind of like plateaued. I will need to take like proper classes in order to reach like full fluency. But I can take care of myself in any situation or any social setting. Uh, you know, obviously I make mistakes still, but uh, it was I think because of the French, it was way easier, uh, as you said. Yeah. Yeah, I I think it gives you a huge head start for sure. Well, that's awesome. Sounds like you're getting uh, you're you're well into it. Then you know, two plus years of residency, 
conversational in the language. You've lived in a couple cities. Mexico City is going to be a um, really interesting next step for you in, in your career. So a lot of exciting stuff happening. Yeah, a lot of stuff happening. And um, I, I want to open a, a business in Mexico City. I have a great idea. Uh, so I, I think that will be the next step of like cementing myself here. Uh, but yeah. Hit me with it. Yeah, I think it's actually, uh, I think you, you'll be uh, interested. <laughs> it's in line of what you're doing as well. So, Okay, any hints? Uh, I don't want to like jinx it. So <laughs> let's talk it uh, offline, uh, no problem. But uh, uh, I don't want to talk without having, you know, the, the proof. So No worries. No, happy to help. Happy to help. You know, you've been a big help. Uh, for me and for the podcast, you know, you helped uh, hook up uh, getting BitRefill as a sponsor, uh, which which has been a, a huge help to the podcast and allowing us to to keep going. You know, we're at well over 100 episodes now and dropping two a week uh, consistently and, and hopefully uh, people are enjoying it and it's growing. Yeah, man, I admire you because doing a podcast looks easy. You just think like, oh... Uh... It's just uh, putting the microphone on and uh, talking, but it's it's a lot of work. Um, and I know because I'm also doing the podcast and I do it in constant, uh, not in a consistent way, uh, which I want to correct. But when you travel and stuff, I don't have like the right setting to, you know, but uh, great, great job. I also love your guests. Uh, I listen, uh, I listen to quite a few episodes. So it's a it's a great podcast. Nice. Not to put you on the spot, but what's been your your favorite episode so far? Uh, I'm really bad in names, but the ones that are talking about like uh, there was one guy that was talking about holding multiple jobs at the same time. <laughs> that's um, that's like really amazing. Uh, and you job know, stacking, job stacking exactly. That's uh, I, I wish I had like the the guts to do it. <laughs> But I'm pretty happy at Bitrefill, so I just concentrate <laughs> on that. Uh, and uh, I, I do my best at Bitrefill, you know, so it, it will be hard to, like, manage uh, many stuff at the same time. But it's a, it's a great strategy, definitely. That one was pretty legendary, for sure. Don't tell me I don't do a good job of finding a pretty eclectic range of guests, right? So uh, we do our best. You know, we got everything from immigration lawyers to you know, job stackers. <laughs> so a little bit of everything. Yeah. And, the the one uh, talking about, uh, the guy that, uh, made a company for insurance, uh, no digital nomad insurance. I mean, I listened to, to a few, mm -hmm. but I'm just really bad at remembering names. <laughs> yeah. Insured nomads was yeah. uh, one of the episodes, Andrew Jernigan. Uh, yeah. That's that's a good one. You you guys should get that on Bit Refill somehow. Is uh, you should get that digital nomad insurance on there. Yeah, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. Yeah. I will uh, propose it to the team. <laughs> cool magic. Well, I'm glad we were able to finally make this happen. Uh, please take as long as you need, and um, you know, direct the audience to uh, to Bit Refill and and anywhere. Uh, that that you'd like to give a, a call to action to? 
Sure. Uh, so anybody listening that is a Bitcoin user, crypto user, traveling around the world, uh, check out Bitrefill. We have uh, great options for you. We have eSIMs, gift cards, uh, so uh, ways to buy uh, plane tickets, basically everything you can imagine. And uh, if if you would like to hang out with me in Mexico, in Mexico City, I'm always open to meeting new people or, uh, you know, making collaborations or anything. So uh, don't hesitate to hit me up, invite me on the podcast, whatever. I'm always uh, ready for anything. So, yeah, that's it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm thinking we should introduce you to Curtis Duggan at the Remotely Serious podcast, friend of the show. So we'll get you on an episode of his podcast. And are you in the um, uh, Mexico Enthusiast Telegram group that we have? I don't think so. Yeah, we have Uh, one specifically for Mexico. It's about 500 people now. Um, Link will be in the show notes and I'll send it to you offline as well. So definitely good to because all the guys in there, they're constantly trying to, you know, organize meetups all around the country. Cool. Yeah, I will. I would love to join. Absolutely. Um, like, uh, I, I love this kind of groups. Always uh, great discussions and uh, you know, opportunities that can arise from for anything. Basically. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm happy we, we finally made it happen. Uh, again, my guest today was Magic Sepnik, the social media coordinator and Mexican ambassador for BitRefill. This has been another episode of the My Latin Life podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you.